Wolf Radio Network presents the Midday Program. And it's Friday. We are going to be filling up this afternoon with some information that you need as you get into this weekend. And the first thing that is on our agenda is the fact that it's going to probably be a little bit nicer than it is right now. We do have some, possibly even some areas of frost to contend with for later on tonight. We'll be talking about that in all of our forecasts along the network. Right now, though, let's move on over to Jesse Harding, who has been taking a look at uh, Ag News, and a, a pretty big award got announced this morning. That's right. That's the Leopold Conservation Award. It's given out by the governor. It's kind of hosted through Nebraska Cattlemen's Association, and the award was given out this morning at the Capitol, and it's going to a family who you might not expect. Hmm. Might not even be a cattle producer this year. Stand by. 1213, you will find out who got the Leopold Conservation Award this year. And also going on yesterday was Congressman Adrian Smith. He held a farm bill hearing yesterday in Aurora. And we'll get an update on what was discussed there. For the 1219, Shaley is going to be bringing us more information about what we can expect for this weekend, next week, and the long-term outlook with our state climatologist, Al Dutcher, what we can expect that weather to be. For the newsmaker, I'm going to be joined with Shana Beatty. She is a member of the SEM Board of Directors. And yesterday in Sumner at the high school, they kicked off their SEM Lunch Club with a beef kickoff yesterday. So they're adding beef to their school lunch program and maybe some other uh, proteins as well, locally produced. So we'll catch that at the newsmaker. And then for the 117, I am joined with Dr. Michael Langemeyer. He's a professor of agriculture economics at Purdue University, and he did some research and looking at the relationship between cash rents and the net return to land and what the difference is between the two and how they react together or don't react together. So that will be the 117. All right. We'll look for it all. Thank you, Jesse. And over to Jason we go. Can a gopher play decent baseball? They can. And they have been. <laughs> yeah, they do. We'll see if it continues. That's right. As the Gophers will host Nebraska this weekend in a big weekend series. Nebraska's dropped three out of their last four. Head coach Darren Erstad was asked yesterday at his press conference, are the Huskers in a funk? And we'll have his answer for you coming up in sports. We're just full of teases today, aren't you we? You bet. So we'll get his thoughts. So this is a big series for each team. Of course, last year they did not play during the regular season due to a scheduling quirk, and Minnesota ended up beating the Huskers by half a game in the standings for the regular season conference title, and they each went out pretty quickly in the Big Ten tournament. Also, this is a big weekend for spring football games across the uh, region. Of course, Nebraska had theirs last week, but a number of colleges and universities will have theirs either tonight or tomorrow. We'll touch on that. And speaking of uh, spring events... Big spring volleyball match in Kearney tomorrow yeah. between Nebraska and Colorado State. That one starts at 3. And uh, open practice at Kearney High beginning yeah, at tonight 6. tonight from right? 6 until 7.30. Yeah. So if they you don't have a, tickets for tomorrow, check out the action tonight. Get a glimpse. And track and business is Bob Brogan. Unemployment rates fell to record lows in four U.S. states last month. Uh, Nebraska down the list a little bit, but still pretty high uh, up on that list as far as uh, low unemployment. We're at 3.1%, dropping by a tenth of a point. Home sales hit a 10-year high. VW to pay $2.8 billion in U.S. emission scandal. Those are the stories we're keeping an eye on. All of this and more coming up today on Midday. 
Let's get together with Paul Perkins on our regional ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Yankee dealer in Holdridge, Alda, Lexington, and Ravenna. A little bit of rain a little further south than dry for the weekend, huh? Yep, exactly. Uh, we're getting some nice rains right now over the northwest corner of Kansas, especially from about Ray, Colorado to around Colby. Uh, fairly steady light rain over that southwest corner of Nebraska, northwest corner of Kansas into northeast Colorado. Some lighter rain just south of I-70 from Hayes to Salina, but a lot more intense activity as you head towards Medicine Lodge and Pratt in southern Kansas. And they do have severe weather going on right now with this system on into much of central Oklahoma. Severe thunderstorm watch there until noon. Also some light rain into the Nebraska Panhandle. This area of low pressure gradually sliding to the south and southeast. Tracking across southern Oklahoma today into Arkansas by tomorrow. That southerly track going to keep a lot of the rain to the south of I-80 on into Kansas. Some much smaller chances of rain in Nebraska today and tonight. The greater chances across Kansas. There may be some clearing tonight across northern areas of Nebraska. Some high pressure starts to nudge in. Temperatures tonight cool to just below normal for this time of year. But we could see some frost in some areas along and north of Highway 92 in Nebraska if it does clear up enough and cools down enough, especially in those low-lying areas. Over the weekend, we do dry up. Some high pressure moving overhead for clearing skies and a warming trend that lasts on into Monday. Fire weather concerns could raise to near-critical levels as we head towards Sunday afternoon in those drier areas that haven't been the benefactor of much rain recently, like locally here. A cold front Monday night starts a cooling trend. Could kick up a little bit of light rain. Better chances of rain start to arrive with a more favorable track of low pressure and stronger low pressure Wednesday into Thursday, but still some forecast model differences to work out because lately these systems have been either going to the north or to the south, and there's been a big area in the middle missing out on a lot. Now, in the long term, temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas now forecast to be mainly cooler than normal Wednesday through the first four days of May. So this does signify that we could be looking at a major pattern change as we head towards the late part of the month into the first few days of may the precipitation forecast also expecting above normal precipitation wednesday through may 4th in both nebraska and kansas if you missed out on the rain recently you may be seeing it late this next week on into uh, the first part of may soil temperatures this morning is seven cooler at the four inch depth over the northern two-thirds of nebraska soil temperatures in the mid to upper 40s, if you're right along I-80 and south into north-central Kansas, the soil temperatures in the low 50s, south of I-70 in the mid to upper 70s for soil temperatures. Weather factors driving market trade today include dry conditions that will help with the planting progress in the north and central part of the Midwest and a new round of beneficial rain for the southern plains. Showers spreading eastward across parts of Kansas and Oklahoma today. And in the last four weeks, that portion of the U.S. winter wheat production area in drought has decreased from 26 to 3%. That new round of rain in the southern plains maintaining the favorable soil moisture for winter wheat. In the Corn Belt, soggy soils and cool conditions limiting fieldwork. Topsoil moisture rated at least one-quarter surplus in five Midwestern states, and that's led by Michigan at 56% surplus. A storm system crossing the southern plains today should be into the Tennessee Valley by tomorrow. Early next week, we're looking at a new round of rainy weather spreading across the northern half of the nation from the Pacific Northwest into the upper Great Lakes. Drier conditions over the weekend across the north and central plains make that the northern plains and the northern Midwest helping out with some planting progress. Ukraine and Russia internationally having some cool to cold weather this weekend that will low, slow their winter green 
development, but no crop loss is expected. Dryness concerns in central Ukraine starting to ease after recent moisture. And your regional ag weather presented by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer, 308-995-4000. Now, I do, uh, I think back, uh, I think maybe a week or two, even two weeks ago, Al Dutcher was saying this is pretty much what we were going to see. I guess pretty accurate most of the time. Exactly. Uh, now, the, the, these forecast models, overall general trend, you can get a pretty good idea what's going to happen. All right, very good. And we'll listen for Al again here at 1219 on our normal Friday visit. And we want to thank Paul Perkins for bringing us up to speed on what's going on here. So uh, I guess the best uh, card to play out of all of this thing is the fact that we just don't have any things of severity at all for the weekend. No, going to be very quiet as far as weather goes. Uh, maybe our next chance is some severe weather with the passage of that front early next week, but maybe Wednesday into Thursday. But overall, just a pretty quiet one and some rain sliding southeast through the region. When you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Culture information on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. Today, Governor Pete Ricketts joined the Sand County Foundation, the Nebraska Cattlemen, Cargill, and Nebraska Environmental Trust to announce the winner of the 2017 Leopold Conservation Award. Shaylee Peters has the details. K&W Farms of Stewart, Nebraska joins 10 others in receiving this prestigious award. Kurt and Wayne Kaup said conservation has always been an important part of their operation. You know, we're, we're here today for, for conservation, and, and we're here... Uh, to be proud of, of what we do every day. In our business, years ago, we sat down and we determined some values, and, and we came up with them values just simply asking ourselves, who are we? What do we believe in? And our business was built off teamwork, respect, respect for the land, respect for our animals, character, and integrity. The Calps utilize no-till farming, cover crops, and also hosts a spring-fed cold water trout stream that originates on their property. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. The family also raises hogs. Those in the agriculture had the chance to meet with Congressman Adrian Smith and Nebraska Director of Agriculture Greg Iba about the Farm Bill. Susan Littlefield has more. We're a year away from full discussion of the 2018 Farm Bill, but work behind the scenes is already underway. And as those in Washington, D.C. are in their home states, they're spending time holding Farm Bill listening sessions to find out what rural America wants and needs in the next Farm Bill. The Director of Agriculture, Greg Ibaugh. But I think it's really important to start that discussion now. And I uh, really appreciate the fact that uh, Congressman Smith took the leadership to uh, start a series of farm bill listening sessions. Because until uh, we hear from Nebraska's farmers and ranchers what they need changed or what they expect out of a farm bill, uh, it's going to really equip him when he goes back and starts having having those discussions on Capitol Hill to make sure that our wants and needs are represented in a farm bill. Director of Agriculture Greg Ibaugh as farm bill listing sessions will continue leading up to the work on the next farm bill. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. What are some ways private public-private conservation efforts could continue to grow through a new farm bill? Well, USDA economist Steve Wallander explains how farmers use voluntary conservation programs as a means to adapt and respond to potential drought risks. 
We see a lot of adaptation behavior already through a variety of mechanisms, and that includes participation in voluntary programs. Drought risk influences how they participate, and that's because programs are tasked with water conservation. The working lands programs then fund things with financial assistance and technical assistance for irrigation efficiency improvements and soil health improvements, such as conservation tillage. And we see that farms in higher risk regions are more likely to participate. CRP can also play a role here. Farmers are more likely to enroll in the program in areas facing higher drought risk. And part of that may have to do with the value of a 10-year contract when you're in a higher risk region. It may also have to do with the hang and graying provisions. Producers wanting further information are encouraged to contact their local USDA service center. In the Kansas Department of Agriculture is seeking individuals to participate in an agriculture trade mission to Argentina. Tentatively, the mission will, mission will take place July 24th through the 30th. The goal of the mission is to provide an opportunity for Kansas purebred beef cattle producers and allied industry to develop relationships with livestock producers and to increase market opportunities for U.S. and Kansas beef genetics. You're listening to the Roll Radio Network. Taking place yesterday at SEM School was their lunch club kickoff. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. With me is Shana Beatty. She is a member of the SEM Board of Directors and also a producer here in Sumner. Shana, will you first tell us a little bit about the lunch club and a little background? Why start a program like this? Well, a couple of board members and myself had an interest in introducing beef in local schools simply because we heard of other schools around the area and the state doing that and, and having such success with it. So we um, toyed with the idea a little bit in some drive-by discussions, but actually the real reason we're here today is because our friends at Custer County Feeders up in Ocano approached us and they offered a half of beef and the processing to donate to to our SEM school lunch program and to kick this off for our school so that we our future would be to introduce beef in the school. And with the kickoff taking place yesterday, what was that event like? Well, Custer County Feeders donated uh, all of the beef and we prepared close to 500 hamburgers for the students and all the staff here at SEM and we invited uh, local commodity groups the Nebraska Farm Bureau was represented the Nebraska Beef Council was represented and uh, a couple county farm bureaus Dawson and Buffalo as well in addition to many producers which was a blessing to get them out of the field to come in and have a great hamburger prepared by our staff here in the SEM lunchroom. With this program, it is called the Lunch Club. It's not specifically designated as only a beef event. Why is that, and what are those thoughts on the future? Well, uh, certainly yesterday was a beef event, and we, we were recognizing our, our beef donation and kicking that off. But as a community here in the Sumner, Eddyville, and O'Connell area. Agriculture is certainly our number one industry, just like it is in the whole state. And uh, we also, in addition to beef producers, we have pork producers. So we are looking to the future. We are going to introduce pork next year into our school lunch program. We also have many farmers who do uh, fresh fruits and vegetables that donate to the lunch program. And they've done that in the past. Uh, in the f late summer, early fall, we get a lot of donations from our neighbors here. And in addition to that, we want to look at 
uh, eggs too. We have a lot of uh, egg producers here, backyard egg producers, and looking for donations from them as well. So that that's where the name, the SEM Lunch Club, came from. Our goal is to uh, bring as much locally raised fresh food in for our students. When it comes to having a program like this, I'm sure it takes a lot of hands and a lot of bodies to be able to put this forward. So who are some of the people that are able to help out? Well, first of all, we have to start with uh, our kitchen manager here at SEM, Sarah Dodd. She is a rock star, a very hard worker, but she's very passionate about the children and making sure that the children uh, are well-fed and well-educated. And, and we know, we believe that uh, the fact that they're well-fed helps them learn, and, and that is one of our number one priorities. The Board of Education supported this 100% from the beginning when Custer County Feeder approached us and, and thought it was a great idea. Uh, Matt Holtham has done an excellent job helping coordinate this event and really reaching out to producers and educating them on what we're doing, that we're in the infancy of the program, and how uh, we want this to look like in the years to come. We got a lot of support from uh, Robin Richards and Brenda Dittmer from Custer County Feeders. They sat on the committee with Matt and myself as we decided um, how we were going to kick this off the event and the program and we're going to know a lot more a year from now but we're we're taking baby steps and we're learning as we go we are looking at donations commodity donations from local producers we're also looking at uh, monetary donations and with the monetary donations we can help offset some of the processing costs that we will incur in addition to uh, maybe some feeding costs if we have a, a critter that's donated that's not quite ready for harvest we want to have the ability to um, continue that too. When it comes to this program, is there going to be an educational component for the students to learn where their food comes from? Absolutely. We have reached out to the Nebraska Farm, or excuse me, we have reached out to the Nebraska Beef Council, and they were here in support today, and they've also provided curriculum materials that can be used in the classroom. In addition to that, our state champion welding team, FFA welding team, I have to get a plug-in for them, created some um, beef and pork metal um plaques to go in the lunchroom and their chalkboard plaque used on a regular basis to describe where the meat comes the meat cut comes from that the kitchen is uh, serving that day so there, hopefully there will be regular education right in the lunchroom as the kids enjoy their meal we have posters up of beef and pork in the lunchroom so that we can continue that process daily we feel like it's important for kids to know where their food comes from it's important for them to know uh, the nutritional value of the protein source, whether it be beef or pork, and certainly the fresh fruits and vegetables too. And it, it's certainly a community effort. Uh, this is a great way for the local farmers, local community members, and the school to work together for one common goal. We're certainly community, the school is very community driven. Uh, the heart of the SEM communities right, starts right here in this school. And we're proud of that, and we're proud that we work together. and. And, and working with locally raised beef and pork, it's an opportunity for us to use our resources that we have as producers to benefit the kids and to educate them because that is our ultimate goal. We've been talking with Shanna Beatty. She is a member of the SEM Board of Directors and also a producer here in the area. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding.
on the Rural Radio Network. Joe Teal joins us from Great Plains Commodities. Not a whole lot of uh, movement as far as the live and feeder cattle futures today. Probably has something to do with a cattle on feed report yet to be heard. Yeah, yes, you're exactly right. It was a pretty quiet day uh, trading in uh, in the cattle complex. Uh, uh, for the most part, the uh, live cattle finished a little bit higher uh, and the feeders a little bit lower, but it was very quiet. Both of them traded, both sides have unchanged, uh, uh, but obviously uh, looking for that uh, cattle on feed report. Interestingly enough, uh, we closed higher for the week on uh, on the cattle, which is really no surprise since we had a very strong market all week. And same way with the feeders, not quite as uh, high or as bold as, as the cattle uh, were the feeders, but they did manage to close higher. Now, over in the hogs, uh, lower again for the uh, day. Now, the interesting thing out of that is that we still closed higher for the week because of the transfer uh, from the April contract to the uh, May contract. It's barely higher, but it closed higher for the week. But the cash still a little bit on the soft side. Cutouts uh, on, on both just a little bit higher. So that uh, uh, helped uh, keep things kind of quiet all day long so uh, all in all a positive week for livestock even though uh, lower in the hogs thanks joe joe teal great plains commodities total cattle slaughter for the first six days this week is estimated at five hundred ninety-five thousand, five thousand more than last week hog slaughter two million two hundred eighty-seven thousand sixty-four thousand more than one week ago dewey nelson reporting University recently did a study on cash rents and the relationship to the net return to land. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. On the phone with me from Purdue is Dr. Michael Langemeyer. He is a professor of agriculture economics. Why do some research on this topic? Well, there's two reasons for doing research on this topic. First of all, if you look at cash rents historically, they do not adjust very fast. Well, I wanted to understand how fast cash rents adjust, you know, using statistical analysis compared to net return to land. And so net return to land adjusts obviously very quickly. The changing price environment, net return to land is important to cash rent, but cash rents are sticky or do not adjust very fast. And so we wanted to quantify how fast cash rents adjust when net return to land is, is fluctuating. And so that, that was one of the reasons why we wanted to do this study. The second reason is net return to land has dropped uh, considerably since 2013. We wanted to see what that means for cash rents. And so that was the primary two reasons. When you were completing this research, you were looking at all your data, what were those data points that you were using to figure out what that relationship is? Well, first of all, Purdue has been doing a survey on cash rents and land values since the early 1970s, and so we had very good data uh, by district in Indiana for cash rents for low productivity land, medium productivity land, and high productivity land. And so we had that data available from a survey. There's surveys in other states, but our survey has been going back since the 1970s. So we had that data set. Uh, to create the net return to land, what we did is we used budget information and then looked at input price changes historically uh, to create a series for net return to, to land. Uh, the net return to land is essentially uh, an average return for corn and soybeans in Indiana on low productivity, 
medium productivity and higher productivity land. What did you determine for Indiana when it comes to the cash rents and the net return to land? Net return to land is considerably more volatile or variable than cash rent. So we did find that. That was something we expected. We also found that uh, cash rents adjust much slower. They do adjust. They are correlated. Cash rents are correlated net return to land, but cash rents adjust much slower uh, than net return to land. And so what we found, uh, you know, using a statistical analysis, is $100 change in net return to land translates into a $10 change in cash rent. Another way of saying that is cash rent adjustments are much, much smaller. They're about 10% of the adjustment in net return to land uh, in a given year. Essentially what goes on is, is landlords are waiting to see if the drop in net return is permanent or is going to last for a while, and so they're not adjusting cash rents you know, sharply uh, in response to a sharp drop in net return to land. And even though you were looking at data in Indiana and that was your focus area, how does this really apply to maybe all producers within the Corn Belt? I can't say that definitively because we did not use data other than the Indiana data, but I see no reason why the adjustment would be that much different uh, across the Corn Belt, whether you're in the Western Corn Belt or the Eastern Corn Belt. I think that you're going to see the same relationship. Net return to land is much more variable than cash rent, and cash rent adjusts slowly to changes in net return to land. Whether you get that exact 10%, I don't know, but I think the relationship would be very similar. We've been talking with Dr. Michael Lagemeyer. He is a professor of agriculture economics at Purdue University, talking about the relationship between cash rents and net return to land. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Grain markets today were mixed, and we didn't have a real big trading range. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, as we have with us John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. What did you assess from this market trade today? A, a tight range, but kind of emotional and a little bit of higher volume than you would think. Uh, we do have options expiring, so check your accounts tonight if you have... Uh, positions on in the May options right around the 405 level of Chicago, 420, 415 in that strike point for, um, I'm sorry, 410 for uh, KC Wheat, and then uh, for the beans right around the, the 9, we'll call it 950 level. Um, so Sunday night could provide a little jostling as a really, you know, felt like a volatile week, more emotional than, than anything, just given that we fell kind of through some support levels. And I think a lot of folks throwing in the towel um, on the corn that's in the bins, and I think that's the theme probably over the next week. I wouldn't be shocked to see this thing trade a little lower, um, maybe see uh, 350 get tested there on that front month in corn, but I think we're starting to set lows here. It, it feels like the, the sell-off is a little tired, uh, over the short run anyway. Once we get into the, the growing season, if we start getting good weather in June and July, uh, boy, I tell you what, I, I, I fear we're going to see this thing fall into the low 330s, given that uh, it just doesn't ever see one rally. You also can envision probably more volatility as we move into the next two-week period regarding weather, don't you? Yeah, and now volatility, I think, is about 14-year lows right now. So basically what that means is puts, if you're buying puts, you're buying them for really cheap. The market is not seeing a lot of movement. Now, whether or not we get a lot of movement, that's not the, that's not the point. The, the point is it's a little bit like a, a safe driver who, uh, who uh, gets his insurance payment every month. He's, he's not expensive to insure. I think right now there is just not a lot of thought that we're going to move off 360, 370, 350 in these front months. Uh, in December, even you know, calls remain really cheap. 420 calls for December are 
I would say pennies on the dollar, but they are cheap relative to where they've been in the last couple of years. So um, right now, just not a lot to talk about when it comes to upside price action. I'd like to think that we're going to get a move here, um, but you know, this week tells us anything. It's just that we have a lot of physical grain that's just overhanging the market right now. So uh, I kind of think maybe we make an early low. Maybe it's on this July delivery, so two months from now, I think. Uh, maybe we do come down and, and maybe test that 350 July and then kind of take off from there. I, I don't know how many producers are going to want to hold on to grain until September, given what happened last year. Thanks, John. John Payne, he is Senior Market Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to danielsagmarketing.com for more. Fractionally lower on the corn and slightly lower in Chicago wheat, Kansas City wheat as well as soybeans were a little higher today. Dewey Nelson reporting. Cattle on Feed report was issued by USDA a few minutes ago. With us is Jerry Stoll, Country Futures, Frankfort, Kansas. Tell us about it. Good afternoon, Dewey. Total on feed numbers come in at 100% of a year ago, uh, right in line with trade expectations. In fact, they call that average guess of 99.7. We did see a very surprise today in the placement number coming in at 111 of a year ago, up 11% compared to an average guess of 106. Now, 106, had it come out on average guesses, that would have been, at that figure, would have been a new 14-year high for placement. So I, I, I haven't had time to go back and look, but this placement number, 111, uh, is very huge number as far as number of cattle placed. Marketing number come in right in line with expectations at 110. Uh, average guess was 109.5, so it uh, continues to confirm aggressive marketing's here. Uh, so that was a good number. Now looking at the weight breakdown, there were some negative surprises there. Uh, on the category of less than 600 pounds, came in 1% below a year ago at 99. Cattle weighing 6 to 700 pounds came in at 107. The category of 7 to 799-pound cattle were up 27% from a year ago. And cattle placed weighing 8 to 900 pounds were up 8%. So uh, not a good number as far as placements and the, and the weight of those cattle being placed. Overall, demand is still, I guess, a big factor in the picture of the live cattle futures, though. Yes, well, short term here, I mean, we created this situation we have now last fall. and The market got so sick, we went about two and a half months where we didn't place any cattle. We delayed those placements. So, uh, you know, as the market goes up, we place more cattle, and, you know, those cattle made money, and people have gotten themselves current. So I guess the only thing you can say is we're current, but uh, we do have some problems to deal with as we win the summer. Thanks, Jerry. Jerry Stoll, Country Futures, Frankfort, Kansas. Be sure to go to countryfutures.com and get more information. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network.